Welcome to the Bowen Christian Family Centre podcast channel. You're about to hear a message recorded at one of our Sunday gatherings. We pray you are blessed and enjoy this inspiring message. I want to be great in God. I can't avoid the fire. Turn to your neighbor in a moment, not yet, and say, I want to be great in God. I'm going to jump into the fire. Go. Can I tell you a fire story? Who likes sitting around the fire? I know Barry and Ruth love. I know Barry especially. I've been around to their place and they have this great little, I don't know what you call it, fire pit at this time of the year. Is it set up now? Yeah, I'm coming around. Something about sitting around a campfire, especially when it's cold. Way back in 1993, I had the honour of being able to go to Papua New Guinea to, uh, to go on a short-term mission trip to help build a church over there just for a couple of weeks. And part of that trip, we flew from Port Moresby to a place called Waitapi. Are there any Papua New Guineans here this morning? No? Okay. Frida? Is she Frida here? Yes? You're a Papua New Guinean? Yes? So do you know where Waitapi is? Or Waitapi, am I saying it right? It's at the base of the Owen Stanley Ranges, if that helps. So anyway, I flew, it's about, we, we hopped onto this little... I don't know, eight-seater plane. We're about to take off and somebody yells out, they forgot to lock the back door. But they didn't really. So that started off really well, let me tell you. And so we arrived onto this place called Watapi and it was, uh, if you can imagine, it was a grass, and I don't know, it might still be a grass airstrip today. So a very remote place. And uh, the locals there, they were living in these beautiful primitive grass huts. Can you believe it? People still living in grass huts, but they were living in these grass huts. And when we arrived, we were given very, very strict instructions about the head chief. We were told, and rightly so, that we need to respect him, that we not need to, he needs to ask us a question, we can't ask him a question. You know, we're to hold ourselves in a very uh, what's the word, like in a really good way, like in a way that would honour him. And that was good, and as we arrived, we were spoilt, and they gave us stuff to put around our necks, and we felt like royalty as we're walking around, and they're proudly showing us their village, and it was beautiful. But it was cold at night, and on the very first night, they wanted to spoil us, this, this group of us. They wanted to spoil us, so they, they'd made this beautiful rotunda out of, you know, grass and bamboo and whatever else, the, the um, palm leaves, etc. It was gorgeous. And uh, in the middle of this rotunda, like there were seats all the way around, and in the middle of the rotunda was a 44-gallon drum with a hole cut in the side and that had the fire in it. Can you get the picture, what it was like? And so we're sitting around this in a sort of like a circle and the fire's going and the chief's there. And we're all being very respectful and, you know, just not saying anything until he asks us a question and it's all going really well. But the fire starts to die down. And the chief 
wanted to really make sure that we were being looked after. So he goes out. Now, the chief is in his traditional uh, native outfit. So it's a grass skirt, no top, and all the headgear. Got the picture? So he goes out, and he comes back in with this little tin. And in the tin, and the fire's dying down, and he knew what he had to do to get the fire to come back up again. In the tin was some uh, helicopter fuel. Now remember, we've got to be very respectful. And so he grabs this tin, and he's standing probably from about, and we're all around, and, we're, and he's standing from here to there, and he gets the tin... And he throws it on the fire. Well, immediately the fire came back up the tin, up the, fo- up the liquid, and set his grass skirt afire. And let me show you what it was like. And let me tell you, we couldn't laugh. We, were, we couldn't laugh. And I'm sitting there and my great friend Ross is sitting next to me and he's going like this. Stop it! Stop it! And, and my cheeks became so sore because I was biting on the side of my cheeks, trying not to laugh, trying not to smile. Who loves being around the fire? Like there's many, many great stories that have been told around the fire. But I want you to know today that if we're going to be great in God... We can't avoid the fire. You know, and being great in God, I don't know what comes to your mind when you hear that term, great in God. What comes to your mind, what comes to my mind is not necessarily a Brian Houston or Joel Olstein or all these people that are well-known and well-respected and are doing amazing things. And they are certainly, I believe they are great in God, but so are you. If you're doing what God's called you to do, if you're a great mother, if you're doing the very best you can to be a great mother, and that's the call that God has on your life, God's calling you to be a great mother, to love your children in a great way, to set the bar high, to show to your children how to live their lives in a way that honours God and honours people. So when I'm talking about grading God, yes, some people have a, a great call on their lives to preach. Some have a great call on their lives to worship, to lead worship. Some have a great call on their lives to play the drums. But whatever we do as Christians, we have this call to be great in whatever we do or whoever we are. Would you agree? We are called to be great in God. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm called to be great in God. But you know, and I can speak from very, very personal experience here. When I was growing up, when I went to school and in my early 20s, um, I was living a life that was controlled by fear and doubt. I was intimidated by other people. 
I was insecure in myself and who I was. I certainly wasn't living my life confident in Christ. And that's our theme for this month, confidence in Christ. So if I'm, I want to ask you a question. If I'm living my life like that, if I'm full of insecurity, if I'm full of fear, if I'm full of intimidation, you know, is that helping? If I, if I was living my life like that today, is that helping other people to discover life in Jesus? I don't believe it is. See, it's, it's so important that if we want to help other people discover life in Jesus, then the way we live our lives will impact on that. So if I'm not confident in Christ, if I'm full of worry, if I'm full of fear, if I'm full of doubt and I'm full of insecurity, how is that? What sort of witness is that to my, my husband, to my wife, to my neighbor, to my boss? And I'm not talking about confidence in self. I'm talking about confidence in Christ because confidence in Christ is about humility and being humble. And it's about serving others. And it's about being your very best no matter where you go or what you do. It's about being confident in knowing who you are. We sung, we're a child. I'm a child of God. You're a child of God. I'm confident that I'm a child of God. I'm confident that I'm a child of God. And out of that, my life flows. People look at me, hopefully, and they look at you and they see something different to this world that complains and moans and groans and carries on about everything. See, I want to be, live, I want to be and I want to live my life confident in Christ, confident in knowing who I am, who I belong to and who my God is. There's a story in the Bible of... Now, <clears throat> you know that I'm not confident sometimes when it comes to pronouncing my words correctly. Sometimes I get mumbled and jumbled. So pray for me just at this very moment, because I'm going to talk to you about an Old Testament uh, story that has some names in there that I may mumble and jumble, but that's okay. I'm still confident in Christ, and I'm still going to stand here, and I'm still going to preach it. Amen. Here we go. Who knows about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? How's that? Straight up, bang. I'm confident in Christ. I haven't said about the king yet. We'll get there in a moment. Better get some water. See, we don't have to be perfect to be used by God. So true. It's not about a polished performance. It's not about getting every single word right. It's not about the knowledge that I have. It's not about me. It's about what God's doing through me this morning. So we're all pretty familiar with the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, aren't we? Most of us know that story. We know that the king, King Nebuchadnezzar, how was that? Nebuchadnezzar, here we go. <laughs> he made this gold statue, and he made a decree that whenever the music was playing, that everybody would have to bow down and worship his gold statue. You familiar with that? But these three men said, no way. We ain't doing that. We're not going to bow down to your gold statue. We're not going to bow down to your gods. That made the king very angry. He said, righto, if you're not going to worship my God, I'm going to throw you in the fire. I'm going to kill you. 
Let's pick the story up at Daniel three fifteen to 30. It's a New Living Translation. And it says this. I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I've made when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. But if you refuse, you'll be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. And then what God will be able to rescue you from, that, from my power? So Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you've set up. I want you just to think about that bit there where it says, we believe God can rescue us, but even if he doesn't, it doesn't change a thing. We're still going to serve our God. Let's jump down to verse 23. So Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego securely tied fell into the roaring flames. But suddenly Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, did we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did, they replied. Look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men abound, unbound, walking around in the fire unharmed and the fourth looks like a god. The King James Version says, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. We know that that was Jesus in the, fl- in the furnace with the three of them. Then Nebuchadnezzar came out as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come out. So Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego stepped out of the fire. Then the officers, the officials, the governors, the advisors crowded around them and saw that the fire had not touched them. Not a hair on their heads was singed not, and their clothing was not scorched. They didn't even smell of smoke. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. He sent his angels to rescue his servants who trusted him. They defied the king's commands and were willing to die rather than to serve or worship God, any God except their own God. Did you notice there that how their actions influenced others? Therefore I make this decree of any people, whatever their race or nation or language, speak a word against their God, the God of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, they'll be torn limb from limb and their house will be turned into heaps of rubble. There is no other God who can rescue like this. Then the king promoted, what did the king do? promoted Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego to an even higher position in the province of Babylon. So church, I just want to tell you this, if you don't do what I'm telling you to do this morning, I'm going to tear you from limb to limb, I'm going to burn your houses because you're just not doing what I want you to do and then I'll throw you in the furnace. No. You know, like we can read this story in a number of ways. But I think we just need to be careful that we don't read this story in the wrong way. You know, we can read this story thinking that every time we get thrown into the fire, that we'll be saved, that nothing will change. We'll come out of the fire unchanged. We'll take, we can take from this story that if we trust God, we will never fail. We'll always succeed and we'll always get it right. Wouldn't that be wonderful if that was true? 
But I know from my personal experience that that's not the reality of living a life as a servant of Christ. You know, a true measure of my faith and a true measure of your faith is not taken when you're outside the furnace. It's measured when you're inside the furnace. A true measure of my faith is not taken when I'm outside the furnace. It's taken when I'm in the furnace. It's easy to have great faith when it's all going right. But what about when everything's going wrong? When everything's falling apart, when you're disappointed in yourself, you're disappointed in God, you're disappointed with life. Yet you remain faithful to God. You trust him no matter what's going around. You, don't, you trust him with the outcome. To me, that's a measure of great faith. You know, there is no doubt that Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego had great faith. They believed that God could rescue them. But even if he didn't, it did not change a thing. I'm pretty sure most of us would love to live our lives not having to go through the fire. But stuff happens. Who knows that stuff happens? Sometimes it's not your fault. Sometimes it is. Sometimes you try to do your best and it all works out. Sometimes you try to do, you do your best and it doesn't. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego were able to face the fiery furnace with confidence because of their great faith. You know, great faith just, not, just does not happen. It takes time and it's a process. It involves testing over time. God grows our faith through testing the test of waiting. You'll need to w- pass the test of waiting if you want to have great faith in God. You know, all the heroes of the Bible had great faith. They had to wait to be They had to wait to be Come on. They had to wait to be great. They had to go through a process. Now, you know me. I'm not good with waiting. That Going along this road here and that car turns in front of me and I'm on a mission. And that car from Townsville that's driving three kilometers an hour in a 90-kilometer zone, I don't like waiting. You've heard, I, I, don't, I don't like it. But I know that if I want to be great in God, I've got to understand that there's a process And that process of waiting builds my faith. I like going into McDonald's and working out which is the fastest queue and looking for that and then going, yeah, well, there are no longer queues in McDonald's anymore, is there? But if there there was, I would look for the fastest line, but God would always put me in the slowest line. Wanted to teach me how to wait. You know, instant gratification, the the whole, like, I've been in this place, church, where, where... you're looking to something to give you something to make your life better and it might be something new and so rather than saving up for it you you put yourself into debt and there's nothing wrong with putting yourself into debt if it's done wisely and it's done well but I can tell you I can stand here this morning that I had lived a lot of my life before I I I fell I'd lived a lot of my life where my bank card was full where I'd borrowed for lots of things and I'd be putting my head on the pillow at night going, I don't know how I'm going to, if, if, if I lose my job tomorrow, I'm going to lose all of this because I was in so much debt. Because see, I didn't like waiting. I didn't like waiting for that next new car. I didn't like waiting for that next new television. I didn't like waiting for that next new thing. And it got me to the place where I was completely bound up by debt. And I'd sit in when I would I, I, I would sit at, at night and I would be thinking about all this debt that I had hanging over my head and I don't ever want to go back into that place. My my brother in law, he won't mind me telling you this story. He's he's done pretty well in life financially. 
And one of his principles was this, I will never borrow money to buy a car. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't do that, but this is his principle, right? He, he said, I'm not going to buy a car because I know that it's dead money or I lose money. So he would save up for a car. See, because that's what happens when you borrow, you're paying for the interest and the car declines in value. Is it making sense? But me, I was guilty. I wanted to have that bright, shiny new car. And I couldn't wait for it. But God's teaching me a principle here, has taught me a principle here, I should say, that it's good to wait. It's good to wait. Because I don't ever want to be back in that place where I have so much debt in my life that it's controlling my life. Who wants to be there, bound up and worried? I'm not living confidently in Christ when I'm looking to get these new things to make my life better. I'm looking to these things to make my life better. Is that making sense? You know, I've, I've learned that if I want to be great in God, I need to be great with what's in front of me right now. You know, some people aren't great with what's ever in front of them right now. You know, they may have incredible gifts and talents, Yet because they're not great with what's in front of them right now, they will, they will struggle to ever see the fulfillment of God's call on their life. I was watching Passenger the other night, a science fiction movie. Anybody watch that? Great movie. I love it. Science fiction. There was a quote in the, there was this, uh, quote in the movie and it said, you can't get so hung up with where you'd rather be that you forget to make the most of where you are. You know, that was partly how I used to live my life as well. I would be thinking about future events and that was going to make my life better. And I'd put my head on the pillow and be thinking about the future events. But I was forgetting about what I had in front of me right now, the valuable things that I had right in front of my children growing up. So valuable. You can't get so hung up on where you'd rather be that you forget to make the most of where you are. Are you making the most of today? And with what's in front of you right now? Or are you thinking about the future and thinking, well, if, when this happens in my life, it's going to be better. And it, yes, I'm not saying you shouldn't strive and you shouldn't try and do your best and, 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 and attain all the things that God has for you. But don't let that rob you of the joy of today and what God's put in front of you today. You know, there's a parable in Matthew 25. And it's the parable of the master who loaned money to three servants. You're familiar with that story? So the master, before he went away, he went up to the three servants. To one he gave five, golds, uh, five gold bags. To the second one he gave two gold bags. And to the third he gave one gold bag. When he got back, he said, how did you go with what I gave you? And to the first, he said, I've done what I, I've got. I've got another five golds about gold. Blah, blah. Thank you. I, I've got another five bags of gold. What did Jesus say to him? Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many. To the one he gave two, he invested and he had another two. What did he say to that guy? Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many. And to the one that he gave one bag of gold, what did he do? He buried it. And when he spoke to him, 
He said, what did you do with my one gold bag? He said, oh, well, because I feared you and you're a horrible master. I was worried what you were going to do about it. So I buried it and here it is. You can have it back. Listen to what the master said. You wicked, lazy servant. Whatever you had will be taken away. Do we understand faithful with a few things? I will put you in charge of many. Are you getting that picture, church? Am I getting that picture? What have I got in front of me today? What am I, am I faithfully doing with what I've got in front of me today? Or am I going, no, I'm worried about tomorrow. I wanted to, I'm looking to that, but I'm not prepared with, about what I need to do today. I need to make the most of what I, I've got in front of me right now. goes on to say, not being faithful with the little he had given you. You'll be, listen to this, you'll be thrown out. This is Jesus talking. Oh, oh, the Jesus that loves me unconditionally and has a plan and purpose for me. This is what he's been saying to the people that were faithful with little. Listen to this. You'll be thrown outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. What gifts and talents has God given you today and what are you doing with them? You know, the small things can be what is ever in front of us right now. The small things can be the things that you do that nobody else sees. The small things are when you go that extra mile. It's when you do those menial menial tasks. And listen to this, they may not even be your job. Listen, Facebook, another great resource. You all know I'm a Facebook stalker. I might do a few likes here and there, but that's about it. I never put anything up. It's just me. I'm a stalker. But I was reading it. There was a quote on there this week. And listen. And at the title of this is, this. that's not my job. Has anybody ever heard this? That's not my job. There's a story about four people named everybody, somebody, anybody, and nobody. There was a, an important job to be done and everybody was sure that somebody would do it. Anybody could have done it, but nobody did it. Somebody got angry about that because it was everybody's job. Anyone could do it, anyone could do it but nobody realized that everybody wouldn't do it. It ended up that everybody blamed somebody when nobody did what anybody could have done. we're better together church we're better together no matter what you're doing do it well with what's ever in front of you right now you know I can stand here and I can preach a, a poor sermon I can preach a bad sermon I can preach a great sermon and that's what I'm called to do not a bad sermon <laughs> but I'm called to preach and so I do my very best at preparing, at reading and praying so that I can get up here because, you know, I do believe in the principle, faith with small things and that I will be great with many. You know, that small thing that you think has nothing to do with your destiny, listen to this, that small thing that you think has nothing to do with your destiny has everything to do with your destiny. You know, I hired and fired and promoted many people in my working career. 
And the ones that succeeded weren't necessarily the ones that had the greatest gifts, talents, or even the greatest knowledge. The ones that were succeeded, they understood the principle of faithful in small things. They went the extra mile. They were, it, they were at work before they went to be at work. They left well after they were meant to leave. I could ask them whatever to do something and they would do it. They made their boss's job easier. Wow. What a, a statement that is. Did you know that you as a Christian, me as a Christian, were to make our, job, our boss's job easier? Did you see that on your job description? Oh, oh, really? Do I have to do that? No, you don't. You don't. But I do believe in the principle of, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many. As disciples of Christ, we are called to be great no matter the season or the circumstance we find ourselves in. We set the standard. We do our very best in front of us right now. What's in front of us right now? We do our very best with the gifts and talents that God has given us. We do them at home. We do them at church. We do them at the workplace. We do them when we're on holidays. I don't know. I I can't see Jesus anywhere in the Bible where he says, oh, it's okay to be lazy. It's okay to be slack. It's okay to to sit back and do nothing. That's not the Jesus I know. I want to make this point just just as we keep going. You know, God can deliver you from the fire. I want to remind you that Jesus walks with you in the fire. But here's the thing. There's some stuff that we need to lose in the fire or lose to the fire. And unless we go into the fire, we're not going to lose it. The stuff that stops us from being great in God. The things that stop us from reaching our destiny in Christ. Laziness, offense, unforgiveness, greed, self-centeredness, selfishness, ambition, pride, approval of man, addiction, fear, insecurity, sin. All of these things need to be burnt off in the fire. Are you ready to jump into the fire with me this morning? Some are. You can't simply sit by the fire if you want to be great in God. We're not here to live predictable lives. Can I give you a a really good word this morning? You're not here to make your life easy. Now, I believe that when we follow Christ, our life is easier. But we're not here to make our lives easy. We're here to reach our God-given destiny, and that's to be great in God. Would you agree with me? Some of us just want to enjoy sitting by the fire. They're not willing to go in the fire because of personal cost. They know it will be painful or it will be too hard or because of fear and doubt. We need to understand this. Sitting by the fire will not do the necessary change that I need and that you need. Some people are happy just to sit by the fire without God. Because they believe it's somebody else's turn. They've done enough. They believe they've been in the fire too many times before. And they think, well, it's not my turn anymore. I've been in the fire enough times. I don't know about you, church, but I commit going into the fire until I'm 99. I'm going to keep going into the fire. 
Because I want to be faithful in the small and great in God. Every one of us has something to do, something to offer. No matter whether we're 10, 20, 50, 70 or 90. Like my mum died at 87, but at 85 she still loved Jesus. She was afflicted with Alzheimer's. Not once did I hear her say, I'm angry with you, God, because you've inflicted this on me. She lived her life not necessarily through what she was saying, but how she lived her life. Every time somebody walked into the house, she wasn't concerned about what she wanted to say. She was concerned about listening to what they had to say. She invested in other people's lives. It wasn't about her. It was about others. She wasn't willing to just sit by the fire because she'd been inflicted with this terrible disease. She said, no, I'm going to keep jumping in the fire. I hope you're with me because that's the type of life I want to live. I'm going to keep jumping in the fire. See, I'm going to keep jumping in the fire and you're going to keep jumping in the fire because you know God's calling you back into the fire. You know that, that that's the direction God's calling you. He's saying, yeah, you need to go back in the fire. But here's the good thing. While you're in the fire, Jesus is walking with you in the fire. Here's another good thing. God can rescue you from the fire. But here's another thing. You may even be consumed by the fire. You'll go into the fire because you know that there are certain things that you can only ever learn in the fire. I want to live my life in such a way that it looks like I'm destined to fail unless Jesus turns up. I want to live my life in such a way that it looks like I will be destined to fail unless Jesus turns up. Come on. You ready to step into the fire? You ready to take, take that next step? Even though you might be fear, feeling fear or maybe you're feeling like, oh, well, I've been in there too many times. Or maybe you're feeling like, oh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a bit worried about it. it's going to hurt. Like some of the things that, that I don't want to let go of, I know I'm probably going to have to let the fire. I'm going to have to lose them to the fire. You ready? I am. I want to live my life in such a way that looks like I'm destined to fail unless Jesus turns up. I could not be standing here today unless Jesus turned up in my life when it came to fear of man. If I'd allowed fear of man to control my life, I wouldn't be here this morning. Because I tell you what, I feared man. I feared making a mistake. I feared failure. And I've learned that all of those things can never stop me from where Jesus is calling me. And they're not going to stop you either. They can if you allow them. But jump into the fire. Be courageous. Because you know when you jump into the fire, Jesus is going to be in the fire with you. It's going to burn off the stuff that you don't need anymore. And it's going to get you to your destiny. Being great in God. You ready with me, Cynthia? Are you ready to be great in God? I am. Daryl, Leah, come on, let's be great in God. You know, most of the people thrown into the furnace didn't come out. (laughs) Preach it, brother. You're going to go into the furnace and that's it. Your life's over. You're not coming out. But really, is that how we live our lives? Am I prepared? Are you prepared to jump into the fire? Even if it means 
you will lose your life. Big call, Jimmy. Big call. Matthew 16, 24 to 25. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. You know, to King Nebuchadnezzar, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego were of little value to him. I believe there are people here today who believe that their life is of little value. That they've made too many mistakes. That they've blown it too many times. That they look at other people and think, I could never be as good as they are. They've got so many great gifts and talents and I've got nothing. I want to declare to you this morning that you are of great value to God. I don't care where you've come from. I don't care what your gifts and talents are or aren't. I don't care how smart or intelligent or how dumb you may think you are. God is calling you to be great in him. See, that's God. See, it's not about you. It's not about me. It's about what he's doing through me. It's about what he's doing through you, Fina, through you, Sam. It's about what God's doing through us. He uses the foolish things to confound the wise. See, it's about giving glory to God. It's not about giving glory to me or you. It's about giving glory to God. I can stand here today because Jesus has given me the ability to overcome fear. Couldn't do it without him. I need Jesus to overcome. I need Jesus so that I can be great in God. I need to understand the principle of faithful in small. I need to understand that I may lose my life. Now, that may not mean that I physically die, but there's stuff in my life that I need to lose to the fire so that I can be great in God. You are of great value to God. If I could have the musicians up, please. King Nebuchadnezzar threw Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego into the fire just like they were rubbish. Yet this is the very moment that God used to promote Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego into legend status. Here we are, however many thousands of years ago that happened. And we're standing here today talking about these three guys that were willing to die for God. See, I believe if you're willing to die, if you're willing to let go, if you're willing to to be faithful in the small things, if you're willing to jump into the fire, even though it may be painful, even though it may hurt, even though you've done it too many times before, I believe this, that if you just will jump into the fire again, you will reach the destiny that God has for you. So you can sit outside the fire and you can just say, no, I'm just going to enjoy the fire. And if you're a Christian and if you've given your life to Jesus and you believe by faith that you're a sinner and that Jesus has saved you, then you're going to heaven. But do you want to be great in God? Do you want to be great in God? 
I do. See, when we're at that point where we're willing to give up our own lives and say, well, I'm letting go of that dream. I'm letting go of that. I'm letting go of this. I'm going to lose that. I'm going to jump into the fire again. That's when God will promote you. That's when you will be taking your steps towards your destiny of being great in God. In that very moment when Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego looked like they were going to lose their lives was the very moment that God promoted them. You know, if you want to be great, you can't avoid the fire. Our mission is to know God to be his hands and his voice, helping people discover life in Jesus. A key to helping other people to discover life in Jesus for you and me is to live our lives confidently in Christ. If we're living it in fear, if we're living it in intimidation, if we're being held back from all the things that God's calling us to do because of all of those things that we have in our life, then we're going to struggle to find the destiny that God has for us. I don't know about you, but I want to be one of God's heroes. Jimmy, you want to be one of God's heroes? Definitely. I do. Are you ready to jump in the fire this morning? You're ready to jump in the fire this morning. Maybe you're in the fire. Maybe it's painful. Maybe you're in that fire and you're thinking there's no way out. It's too much, too great. I can't see a way forward. Tomorrow looks hopeless. I'm in this fire and it's consuming me. I can't see a way forward. Maybe you're sitting outside the fire. You think, oh, well. I've been there before. I don't know if I want to go back in. Maybe you're here this morning and you've struggled with what's in front of you right now. You haven't really grasped the principle of faithful in the small. Here's a really cool thing. The Jesus that I know will meet you where you're at. Whether you're in the fire, sitting by the fire, consumed by the fire, whether you're fearful about jumping in the fire, Jesus will meet you where you're at. Do you want an encounter with Jesus this morning? It's up to you. You can, you can sit outside the fire. 
But I believe Jesus is calling each and every one of us into the fire, whatever that means for you. And I think just simply by simply saying and acknowledging that, yes, we're willing to die, we're willing to go into that fire, no matter the outcome, that Jesus will meet you there. He is the way forward for me, and he is the way forward for you. Every single issue that you've ever faced or will face, Jesus is the answer. We are a Bible-believing, Jesus-loving church. Jesus has a destiny for me, and he has a destiny for you. And the enemy's job is to kill, steal, and destroy, and rob you. He'll tell you, you don't need to jump back into the fire. He'll say, oh, you don't need to go in the fire, it'll hurt too much. He'll tell you, no, 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 you don't need to let go of that. That doesn't really matter, that's not stopping you. Well, I believe this morning it is. Whatever that may be for you. You're ready to jump into the fire again? Because you know that's where Jesus is calling you. Thank you for tuning in to Bowen Christian Family Centre's podcast channel. For any more information on our church, the preaching, or Jesus and Christianity, feel free to check out our church website, www.withsundayacc.com.au.